0: Support for the Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities with Public Schools Unite Us Initiative and United University Professions. Representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State, Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPInfo.org. It's the Capital Connection. Hi, I'm David Gustina Delighted this week to be talking with John Caney, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Reinvent Albany. Reinvent Albany is a nonprofit, profit non-partisan, tax-exempt, charitable organization that promotes open, accountable New York State government with an interest in government transparency and public participation. John Caney, welcome back to the Capital Connection. Thank you for having me. Well, obviously, all eyes were on the State of the State address this week, and the governor basically rolling out a wish list of sorts. She focused on things like housing, crime, and mental health. She even has a major proposal for AI. I wonder just initially, John, if you could give us your reaction to the governor's State of the State address this week.
1: Sure. I think this year's State of the State was very much about uh, it being a presidential election year. And uh, physically, who is she talking to? The fact that she's in the assembly chambers directly in front of the leaders of the Senate and the assembly who are standing behind her. And this, this matters for a bunch of reasons. Uh, one thing to consider is that it's very cramped and that there's very few guests, no real public are there. And this is interesting because it reduces, I think, the chance of demonstrations and disruptions from everything from climate activists to uh people concerned about gaza israel palestinians uh to fill in the blank and there's been a, an increase in disruptions of uh heckling of public officials and i think they're very concerned about that uh in the legislature this year where they've reduced public access to the capital and compare this to past years where uh, other governors have held the state of the state for instance in the the egg and had thousands of guests. So I, I think that, that that matters. And this is as much about uh, what the governor talks about as didn't talk about. And to that end, it's a presidential election year. We all know that her party's uh, candidate, uh, President Joe Biden, Democrat, uh, is describing it as a a, a struggle for the uh, survival of democracy itself. Very stark terms, very high stakes. Uh, the National Democratic Party, Democratic Party is counting on picking up many uh, House seats to Congress in New York via uh, a redistricting process that was not even mentioned. And um, there's some big hot-button national issues related to that, including, of course, migrants. Uh, That really didn't get talked about in the speech. So the national context uh, matters a great deal in the governor's state of the state speech this year. And um, I think that uh, her, her it was very conservative with a small C in that way, because she does not want to rock the Democratic vote. especially in the suburbs of New York City.
0: Let's continue with the idea of these national issues. You, You referenced it. We're talking about the migrant crisis from The New York Times. Perhaps the most striking was what she did not list as among the state's top concerns addressing the migrant crisis, which has seen tens of thousands of immigrants from all over the world travel to seek shelter in New York City, overwhelming the city's social services and costing billions They've made their way upstate as well. And that was one of the big issues for Republicans in criticizing her state of the state address. How could you overlook the migrant crisis, which in one place, New York City, has been huge?
1: That's right. And the governor has to politically thread the needle on a a number of issues where she has a progressive wing of her party that is um, uh, in a totally different place than uh, suburban uh, Democrat and independent voters that uh, the, the Democratic uh, House candidates want to appeal to. I mean, the, the list of other things that you didn't talk about, which, you know, my group, von Albany, uh, touched on, too, were, you know, what happened to the transparency governor, uh, the governor that said, I'm going to uh, be clean and a big contrast to, you know, previous uh uh, secretive and um, and and less inclusive uh, governors what what happened to that uh, governor who talked about governor? Uh, pardon me about political accountability and to that end in about being conservative, the governor didn't we mentioned talk about redistricting at all, which is a huge national deal of course she doesn't control it, but it it matters so if, if this was a state of the state where you actually talked about important um, things the most important things. she would have to talk about uh, migrants redistricting uh, her veto of the uh, assembly or pardon me of the legislators legislature uh, the state legislators attempt to water down or or even destroy the um, the brand new small donor campaign finance system that New York is is adopting which the uh, was is a political hot button for sure um, in Albany, and made the, uh, repeatedly made uh, legislative leaders very unhappy that she vetoed their bill to to weaken the public matching system, which my group strongly supports, as do uh, you know voting groups and others. Um, but so the governor just had to stay away from certain things because she didn't want to anger and antagonize the legislature. She's standing in their house right in front of them, which is a pretty cramped space to jam the Senate and Assembly into, by the way. Um, so there's a, a very kind of cramped, jammed aspect to it. And the uh, what she presented were, you know, 19 big policy areas with more than 200 proposals, a lot of which are good ideas. And I think most people are like, hey, okay, that's fine. That's cool. Let's do it. But aren't really big themes and that's because the governor again had to be conservative so even when talking about uh very high stakes political issues like crime and mental health health she had to be careful to not uh antagonize parts of her own party that have spent the last couple years really uh going after uh you know uh over policing and over incarceration and um, she did that in an interesting way, which is by introducing kind of this victim-centered idea around crime, um, specifically mentioning a, a Queen's domestic violence uh, program, and by mentioning uh, repeatedly her concerns about women and children and the vulnerable. And that, that seems like it's going to be her and perhaps the Democratic playbook for talking about crime and um you know, public, homeless, mental health issues uh, going forward. So it's not to sort of, you know, so they can politically have it both ways. But, the, you know, what jumps out to us as a government watchdog group, um, again, is just how, um, how there's really not that much in it about the big issues of the day. We mentioned migrants. We mis- uh, mentioned the the voting, redistricting um uh, public campaign finance issue, which again is seems a little obscured perhaps to the general public, but is something that's got the legislature steamed, especially incumbents who fear it's going to threaten them. Um, and um, she she didn't talk much about the the work of of transforming what's a pretty complex, creaky, complicated, Super expensive state government uh, into a, a operation that can really deal with the the fast threats that are coming at us from climate change, which migration is related to, um, and um, these these bigger societal issues. And she had to also uh, soft shoe the whole issue of promoting housing, affordable housing in particular, and increased housing. Uh, construction in suburban new york which is really uh she she took a big swing at last year uh was totally rebuffed by the legislature uh for uh you know her her efforts to as they would put it big foot uh suburb suburbs of new york city into increasing their their housing
0: new yeah local centers. local zoning laws took over there for many yeah. of those
1: yeah. legislators and so and and the governor's proposal last year, by the way, was lauded by many, many, um, you know, independent uh, analyst types as being the right policy, but the politics were not good. And our understanding is that she has been specifically asked by uh, national Democrats to not even talk about housing uh, in in the suburbs because they're so concerned about the, the backlash for house elections. So again, on the theme of being very constrained by national politics, um, you you have all these issues that are drawing the public's attention, uh, migrants, housing, uh, you know those are those are top top issues. Uh, and um the governor can't really talk about them, feels constrained talking about them. And then you have these issues of democracy, reform, transparency, where they might be considered contentious for her to talk about in front of the legislature in their own house so she's she's really having to find uh, a a grab bag of things that uh, shows that she's doing something and um and that's what she did
0: we're speaking with john caney he is the executive director and co-founder of reinvent albany Nonprofit, nonpartisan, tax exempt charitable organization that promotes open, accountable New York State government. Well, one of the big things, of course, is that the federal money, COVID money, all that stuff is basically gone now, and we're sitting with a four point three billion-dollar budget deficit. I mean, that certainly impacts the governor and what she can do going forward. And despite all the pros in the State of the State address, the real issue will be, what does the budget say next week? That's exactly
1: right, David. It's, you know, the money talks, the, the nonsense walks is the, the old phrase. And the, um, uh, what's in the governor's budget uh, is, is, matters much, much more than the State of the State address, which I think was more about the governor staying out of trouble than it was about proposing anything uh, grand and and new. And so all eyes will be on the literal bottom line and how much uh, is going into each budget line. A couple things though, on the state's budget picture, it's actually quite good. Um, The revenue estimates have come in consistently higher. The state uh, just uh, uh, reduced, significantly reduced the estimated, Uh, out your deficit um, in the last couple over the last couple months. And the state has 19 and a half billion or more in rainy day funds and other reserves. So it's, it's not a a austerity budget, but the, you know, I, I should have mentioned this at the top, the, 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 the key thing for many is that the governor said she's not going to raise taxes. And so that's going to be, um, on anybody. and so that's going to be one of just the fundamental battle lines between uh, in particular progressive Democrats and the governor in the
0: the budget debate. No question about it. The battle lines because the state is controlled by Democrats are between the more progressives in her party and the more centrists like the governor. And while you have mentioned crime as part of her speech, she's tending to go toward the victim angle. Yeah, I think
1: just in terms of what's interesting or new coming out of this um that could be something that that uh National Democrats in uh suburban areas pick up on is the victim-centered uh look at crime through the the prism of women and children and uh domestic and emphasizing domestic violence and efforts to fight domestic violence. And it's fascinating that the governors State of the state book mentions that a very large portion of uh violent uh crimes are domestic violence crimes in new york and nationally and therefore when you uh target domestic violence you're targeting violent crime and that's a that's an interesting angle and um uh we'll have to see you know how that plays and how much they they hit on that thematically um but again you know 200 plus specific policy proposals in 19 areas is a lot and uh, separating the the kind of the the wheat from the chaff is is going to um going to be hard to do until the exact budget put your money where your mouth is time happens when the governor's budget comes out next week
0: you know we talk about this with any politician when you're in office you get blamed and you get credited if things go well you you did good if things go bad you're not doing so well and I noticed part of her State of the State address dealt with, in her words, chaos, retail theft. Now, we've seen crowds of young people going into stores and stealing, and we have retail theft as it is anyway. We've also seen this fight over bail reform and gun control and all this stuff sort of tangled up together. Even in Albany, where the district attorney, David Soares, is a Democrat, is not happy with the Democrats or the governor and how they are dealing with crime in the streets. And that clarion call the Republicans always use of law and order oftentimes is heard, not only by the Republicans themselves, but even some of the Democrats, especially in the suburban areas.
1: Yeah, the crime numbers, and this is definitely an area of perception and where you have uh, the parties trying to draw different pictures. I mean, the the, the crime numbers statewide and uh, in New York City and its suburbs are are really pretty good um, for an incumbent governor. The the crime is not going up, but uh, high-profile incidents and a feeling of uh, being threatened is showing up a lot in public opinion polls and getting a lot of
0: coverage. Where, Where does that come from? Do you have any sense of where that comes from, John? I mean, if the facts are that crime is actually in many categories going down, Why the perception?
1: Well, I think that using words like chaos and disorder and kind of uh, what what's being done is, in this case, a Republican generally critique of uh, what's the, you know, the collapse of Main Street and um, which has continued upstate in New York terribly so that we have, uh, you know, a big struggle with poverty in the center cities of the smaller cities in the state uh albany syracuse rochester buffalo uh and um in new york city you have uh you have migrants who are you know here and there on the street but drawing tremendous amounts of of press attention nationally and um you have mentally ill people on the streets and uh who are not receiving adequate services or are not being dealt with tended to and that creates a sense of disorder so, and, and insecurity. And so it all gets lumped together into one of a perception of, you know, I don't like this. Um, and that's something that's being, you know, that the, the press likes the conflict narrative. They like to uh, find stories that get a lot of Eyeballs.
0: Well, and it's the major criteria for what makes news, conflict. It is. No, no question right. about it. And
1: so the numbers just are not matching up with the public perception on crime and um, whether it's in New York City, on the street, in the subway or upstate. Um, that said, there are some areas that the governor really didn't talk about. The murder rate is very high in some upstate center cities, as we know, talking about statistics. There's no way around that but that's not really the issue that suburban voters in the Mid-Hudson and um, Long Island care about. And that's, really who the democrats and the republicans are trying to appeal to here that's the key audience because the core districts in new york city democratic districts and you know central buffalo and albany and whatnot those aren't going to change it's what are called marginal districts or the changeable districts the purple districts that the fight's all about and that's what this messaging is about those suburban voters
0: what about corporate welfare? I know that's a big thing on your list at Reinvent Albany, and we're speaking with John Caney, the executive director. Corporate welfare we often talk about this when it comes to giving those who have a lot more to, for example, create public private partnerships and things of that nature. What did you see in the State of the State address that might have your spider senses tingling over corporate welfare?
1: You know, knock on wood here, which I'm going to do, there weren't any catastrophically stupid boondoggles being proposed, which is great because the last couple of years have seen New York just lavishing billions of dollars on, on projects that are of questionable value to the public. I, mean, I could name a few Buffalo Bill Stadium, uh, you know, billion dollars in public subsidies for that. Uh, Micron, um, the Micron deal. I admit, talk about that in a in a second but um but really nothing that was just you know oh god uh from our perspective we're, we're by the way we're, we're big critics of of corporate welfare because uh we try to be fact-based and uh the facts just show that that billions in corporate welfare of which new York's state and city and localities are spending about 10 billion a year every year in public funds in all forms on corporate welfare, which is just, gosh, that's a lot of money. So we think the facts don't support the kind of big spending on boondoggle projects that that New York's really been into. But Micron, gosh, Governor Hochul, we really wish you would stop claiming that Micron—
0: Let's remind listeners that Micron is this chipmaker they want to put in central New York, and they want to have people educated and trained so that they can tie in, this public-private partnership can tie in not only to business but to education.
1: Yeah, the big project that the governor likes to talk about at the drop of a hat is a plan to build a giant chip fabrication or chip fab plant in Clay, New York, which is really a a tiny suburb of Syracuse. It is essentially Syracuse. And the governor claimed in her speech that Micron is going to spend $100 billion on this mega chip fab over the next decades. That's just absolute total baloney, which we've debunked repeatedly. And in fact, it's a Micron press release quoting Micron CEO saying over time Micron could spend upwards of a hundred billion dollars. So it's like me saying right now, reInvent Albany could spend upwards of five hundred billion dollars on remaking all of central New York or five dollars, you know? So it's complete, total hyperbole it's not going to happen. And we wish that the governor and other boosters of that project would be just slightly reality-based and abandoned. It's not even hype, it's overhype. Because what Micron did say is that by 2030, that they're going to have a plant in place that they're going to put 20 to $40 billion into building, which is plenty. And that the state of New York will be taking in roughly $5 billion in subsidies of different kinds for. So, It's still a big project, but it's not this $100 thing, and it's just, it's basically a lie, an outright fabrication. So the micron and upstate chip fab mania is a big part of what's become a democratic mythology about creating a new industrial revolution in upstate New York, which would be awesome and great to see, but it's probably not going to happen. Because of chip fabs, which are mainly robot factories that cost an enormous amount of money. So, other than mentioning Micron in her State of the State, the governor didn't propose much that you know is of the scale that would blow our minds. That so she mentioned AI, artificial intelligence, centered upstate, that some elite universities would kick in money for, as well as the state. That's to be seen whether that actually ever happens. And frankly, the amount of money mentioned is only $200 million in state funds versus, for instance, the state's annual film and TV tax credit, which is actually state reimbursement to Hollywood producers of $770 million a year for the next 11 years. So on the boondoggle alert, you know, pretty minor on that one but we've got our eyes on that and did feel in this area encouraged that the governor mentioned more workforce development efforts which economists have shown are a much better use of public funds than these corporate handouts.
0: Yeah, and as you John Kenny of Reinvent Albany talk about the wasting of public dollars in your in your analysis, there is this other issue that's been growing and growing and growing not only in New York but around the country and that's food insecurity and Following the State of the State Address each year, there's something called the People's State of the State Address. I saw that press release. And they're all about poverty and food insecurity. And there's a lot of people in this state, not just people who are in poverty, but others who can barely pay the bills, that are going hungry.
1: Yeah, I mean, the things that are missing and interesting things that we would have liked to see but didn't show up in the governor's state of the state is an effort to look at what's the most cost effective way to help, for instance, reduce food insecurity. You know, there's a lot of different ways to structure programs. What's the best way to fund childcare, for instance, and help young mothers back into the workforce? What's the best way to do all these things? New York doesn't know because New York does not have credible independent analysis that it uses when it makes these big spending policy decisions. And unlike states like California or even New York City, New York does not have an independent budget office to score the real cost of different programs or of legislation. So a lot of Albany is flying blind when it comes to policy and spending decisions, and that promotes waste and unaccountability. So when we talk about things like transparency, we're also talking about more independent eyeballs and voices like an independent budget office, which has been on the wish list of government reformers in New York for, you know, 50 years or more having a say and being able to actually add some reality and facts into the different discussions.
0: Finally, let me just ask you about this. The minimum wage has gone up and we see a little bit more in New York than upstate, but still probably a far cry from what many have called for on the progressive side, which is a living wage that might help deter some of these other problems
1: Yeah. One of the most interesting things that happened during COVID, good things, was that there was the biggest experiment ever in how to reduce poverty. And it turns out that direct support, just giving people money, actually seems to be the most efficient way to reduce, for instance, child poverty. And this issue is coming to the fore because, as you noted at the onset, the COVID money is gone or drying up. And so it really matters how you spend money and spending it efficiently, and if you waste money, it hurts the poor and the most vulnerable the most because they are the ones that depend on the government and the funding the most. So. For groups like us who believe that government is crucial to solving many big societal problems, we think equally crucial is that government has to spend the limited money it has well. And so the governor did mention a couple of analytics programs scattered here and there throughout her 200 proposals, which we strongly support. But didn't really talk about making programs and government more fact and data driven so that the public and the most vulnerable will get the biggest bang from tax dollars.
0: Unfortunately, we are out of time. I'm David Gustina Our guest has been John Caney, executive director and co-founder of Reinvent Albany. To find out more, head to reinventalbany.org. John, I can't thank you enough. I hope you'll come back again and talk to us on The Capital Connection.
1: Love to. Thank you for having me.
0: Appreciate it. The Capital Connection is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. You can listen to The Capital Connection anytime at WAMCpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcast. And join us again next week at this same time for another political conversation. For The Capital Connection, I'm David Gustina. Support for The Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities through the Public Schools Unite Us initiative.